series publications of the Smithsonian Institution, Smithsonian Studies in Air and Space Number no. 2, United States Women in Aviation Through World War I, by Claudia M. Oakes. Aerial photography from Fortations, visit Fortations.com and www.fortationsstore.com for more fine art photography. Help support this series by visiting FortationsDonations.com. Passengers and Promoters Not all women who were active in aviation in those early days were pilots. It was considered radical for a woman to involve herself in any way with aviation, whether flying as a passenger in an airplane, ascending in a balloon, offering support to aviator sons, husbands, or brothers, or even raising funds for aeronautics, a woman's statement of intention to do any of these things was often met with the exclamations of you can't be serious from her friends, both male and female. Occasionally, if a woman was socially prominent, she might even make an attempt to conceal her identity before making a flight such was the case at Philadelphia in October 1909 when a leading socialite, Miss Violet Richroy, satisfied her long-cherished ambition to take a balloon flight. She arrived at the launch site very early in the morning, heavily filled. When someone asked her name, she replied, Miss Anna Brown. Apparently, she feared that her parents or some well-meaning friends, anxious about her safety or her reputation, might try to interfere as the last minute not all of her family disapproved. However, for Violet's sister had sought permission to go along, but there was no more room in the basket. By contrast, a year earlier in Canton, Ohio, Several women had not only made ascensions with the famous balloonist Leo Sievens, but had even written articles for contemporary magazines about their experiences in aeronautics. For July 1908, Marisco Thompson described her flight in glowing terms. Fear is wholly excluded. There can be nothing but pleasure connected with it. I enjoyed every moment of the trip, and when the time finally came for us to land, I felt greatly disappointed. The two hours spent in the balloon had sped like minutes, and I am anxiously awaiting another opportunity when I can ascend in a larger balloon and with a brisker wind. Miss Simpson also stated that she planned to try to convert her friends in the Wilkinsburg Automobile Club to Ballooning Thompson, 1908. Mercedes Rosenberg of Indianapolis added to her fame of being the first woman in that city to drive an automobile by becoming Indianapolis' first woman to make a balloon ascension. She and her husband flew with an exhibition balloonist, G.L. Bumbo, in December 1908. Marcia Rosenberg was so eager to make the ascension that 
She told Mubamba she would be willing even to hang onto the car as ballast. Her reaction was extremely enthusiastic. It's not near so dangerous as driving an automobile. There are no policemen up there, no street cars, no horses, no little children or deaf or blind to make you nervous. I want a balloon author unknown. 1908-11 Since the phenomenon of women flying an aircraft even as passengers was such a rarity, firsts were noted for women passengers as well as for women pilots. Richard Oberg, wife of the Wright Brothers European representative, was the first American woman to fly as a passenger in an airplane. She made a two-minute, three-second flight with Wilbur Wright at Aurors, France. In 1908, Merzberg is also credited with having inspired the famous ladies' fashion of the day, the Hubble skirt. Apparently, a French cavalier was quite taken with the manner in which Merzberg walked away from the aircraft with her long skirt still tied around her ankles. She had fastened it in this manner to keep it from blowing in the wind during her flight. The first woman to fly as an airplane passenger in America was Marischal and Demon of Washington D. See, a good friend of the Wright brother's sister, Catherine. Miss and Demon developed an interest in aviation and when Wilbur and Orgel were giving flight instruction to U.S. Army officers at College Park, Maryland, in the fall of 1909, Marisman Demon often went with her husband, a U.S. Army captain, to watch the flights one day in October. They arrived some time before the flights were to begin, and Wilbur Wright took Marisman Demon for a short ride. At the end of the flight, Captain Demon expressed his gratitude. I want to thank you. Right now, it will be possible for me to keep peace in our family. For the Detroit Free Press in June 1911 carried lengthy accounts of an air meet which was being held at the Detroit Country Club. Frank Coffin, a Wright aviator, was performing in his Wright biplane making exhibition flights and carrying passengers. A great deal of coverage was devoted to the many women who flew as passengers. Marcia Russell at Alger, wife of the president of the Michigan Aero Club, was the first woman to make an airplane flight in Michigan. Her 14-year-old daughter Josephine, who went up shortly after her mother, was the youngest person in the United States to fly in an airplane up to that time. Since women were involved, the newspaper was unable to resist a short fashion commentary. Miss Elizabeth Loomis was the fourth passenger. There was not a trace of fear in her walk to the machine, only an eagerness to take her turn at flying. She was dressed in white, with a small red hat, pinned firmly on her head and the right ear, which during the flight is within a few inches of the roaring motor. Stuffed with cotton, Miss Loomis was extremely enthusiastic about her flight. It's the greatest fun I ever had. I'm simply mad about it. It's just glorious up 
there in the air. I wish I could go right up again. Author unknown. 1911-1. The Detroit women who flew during those few days, however, did not think of airplanes merely as vehicles or entertainment. They could visualize a future where flying in an airplane would be commonplace. Where's William H. Bertenshaw, one of Coffin's passengers, was quoted as saying, I want to go now, while it's still wonderful and exciting. It's only a question of a few years, isn't it, when we'll be talking in the morning about flying over to Paris for the evening's opera, and then even this will have ceased being thrilling and awe-inspiring author unknown. 1911 Coffin apparently realized after several days of taking women up as passengers that he need not fly sedately around the golf course to keep from frightening them when Mary Manning Wadsworth, an actress of the day, flew with coughing. He engaged in a race with a passing motorist, much to Mursuadvor's delight. By the time the meet ended, the newspaper was calling the women who flew superwomen for their courage in making airplane flights. A reporter also predicted correctly that all women to aviate would become a social issue of the day. The woman having the distinction of being the first female passenger on a regularly scheduled airline was Marissa, a Whitney wife of the Secretary of Commerce of Street, Petersburg, Florida, the Street, Petersburg, Tampa Airboat Line, the world's first scheduled airline, went into operation on 1 January 1914 with a Benoist flying boat piloted by Tony Janice Murth when he flew from Street Petersburg to Tampa on 8 January. Her flight was not without incident. Janice was forced to land the aircraft on Tampa Bay some distance from land because of engine trouble, but he soon repaired it and successfully completed the flight. Women of those early days also backed the future of aviation with financial support and genuine enthusiastic encouragement. Catherine Wright, sister of Wilbur and Orville Wright, took an active part in helping her brothers. When money for their experiments was running low, Wilbur and Orville could count on Catherine to contribute a large part of her school teacher's salary to their needs. She also worked many nights sewing silk, cotton, and canvas wing coverings for the model gliders they were testing. Catherine went to Europe with her brothers and often flew as a passenger when they were demonstrating their aircraft in England, France, and Italy. A women's auxiliary of the Aeromedical Society was organized in 1911, several very enthusiastic women attended the first meeting on 11 November, and letters of support were read from Harriet Quimby and Matilda Moisson, two of the most prominent women flyers of the day. The group was founded to bring more attention to the achievements of women in aviation. The women of 1915 held a ball. At New York's Biltmore Hotel in January 1915, the object was to raise money 
to buy an airplane for the coastal defense of New York. Emphasis was placed on the importance of airplanes in warfare among the balls. Pekin, where the governor of New York, the mayor of New York City, Jen Leonard Wood, Rear Ed, Robert E. Peary, and Florence Guggenheim. Women had become so prominent in aviation that during World War I marshals, Van Rensselaer was named chairman of the Committee on Training Camps for Kite Balloon Operators. This would have been quite an achievement at any time, but since the United States was involved in a war, the position was even more important. Mercer Rensselaer wrote a forceful letter to President Wilson urging him to adopt universal training in balloon operation for military personnel as a method of getting the number of balloon operators necessary for national defense. She was supported in her views by Sen. George E. Chamberlain, chairman of the Senate Committee on Military Affairs, by 1916, flying had become almost commonplace for some women, especially for Mercury Christofferson, whose husband was an aircraft designer and manufacturer. On one occasion, Mercury Christofferson was some distance from home when she remembered she had invited several women for dinner, and it was almost time for them to arrive. Her husband was making demonstration flights nearby. So she prevailed on him to fly her, their 16-month-old baby, and one of her guests to her home. She succeeded in arriving well before the rest of her guests in New York City, an enterprising aviator, Al Welsh, began an operation of flying women to afternoon teas in his airplane. Although these women never piloted an aircraft themselves, they still played a vital role in the advancement of aviation. They showed that women did not have to learn to fly to enjoy the adventure of ascending into the air, but more importantly, their flights made a contribution toward proving the pragmatic aspect of flight, the effectiveness of using an aircraft to get from point A to point B. Notwithstanding all the stunts, demonstration, flights, and other thrilling aspects of aviation, it was the practicality of flight that caused aviation to grow into the enormous industry it has become.